Moncrief on News Talk. Delighted to be joined now by Jonathan de Bur- Jonathan DeBurka Butler, who brings us his weekly slot of Around the World. Jonathan, how are you? John, how are you getting on? Listen, Netherlands, mm. uh, you brought this story in. I think people are very aware of it. And I think like most people, my initial reaction was, is, is Holland not like the land of the most liberal people imaginable? The idea that they've elected this guy just seems bizarre to those of us looking in. But maybe there's a whole backstory there we shouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I, I think I brought this in simply because we've, we on this particular slot have been following um, Gert Wilders for a number of years, right? right. And, and basically seeing how he's been doing and in, in, in the ebbs of, and flows of his PVV party. That's the party for freedom, uh, as they call him. I mean, he's gone from having six seats a number of years ago now to having 37. Uh, right. I think before that, his previous best numbers was also in the early 30s as well. So okay. he's really gone up and gone down over the years. Um, the difference this time is that he is the winning party. Yeah. So he can now go in and try to form a government okay. with various different parties. Now, you're always going to get coalitions in the Netherlands, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's never going to be a, a single party win for anyone in, in that particular part of the world. And they, and they and they obviously, they take their negotiations very seriously. But it, it seems at this point it's in the mix it actually it's tipping into unlikely that he might he, he'll be able to form a government okay. at this point uh, and, and be the prime minister um, you know the negotiations started on Friday um, several parties have already ruled themselves out one of them being the Labour Green mm-hmm. Coalition that won 25 seats yeah. and came second uh, the NSC, which is a new party, they won 20 seats. Uh, their leader is a former Christian Democrat. Okay. He has said that he might go in with them. Um, but Mark Ruta, yeah. who is the acting prime minister, and many people will know him. Uh, he's the head of VV, well, he was the leader of VVD. They won 24 seats. They said they wouldn't go into coalition with them, but they might support a minority government. Okay. So it's all very complicated. And given that the last government took something like 270 days to form, don't be surprised if you get a situation here where Geert Wilders uh, forming some sort of a coalition will take a long time, even if he does. Okay. Um, so. And so you're saying, though, that Wilders, if, if you know about it like you clearly do over the years, he always had the numbers or at certain stages. So it's not that much of a shock in terms of forming a coalition. That was on the cards, potentially. It, it potentially was. I mean, the last election, they won 17 seats. Right, right, so he's added 20 to that. Yeah. But as I said, he's, he's gone from 6, 17, yeah. up to 30, back down yeah. again. And he has, although he wasn't in, in a coalition government, he did support a coalition yeah. government before, right? Okay. So he's he's dabbled with that in the past. The situation at the moment in the Netherlands is that this campaign was very much centred around migration. Yeah. All right. Various different parties were coming up with solutions as they saw they, mm. they needed for what they some of them see as a problem. And everybody got sucked into that particular debate. Yeah. Wilders has come out on top. Yeah. All right. Okay. That's the situation at the moment. Now, what he managed to, manages to put into government policy, if he does, again, get in, uh, get into government remains to be seen. How but likely or not do you think it is he'll get in? I, re- I really can't say. Okay. I, I, at the moment, I, I would say that there's a chance that he could uh, head up a minority government okay. and that the v- and VVD, that's Mark Ruder's party, might stay on the outside right? and they'll see how it goes okay. and then allow politics to gradually chip away 
okay. at whatever power he may or may not get. All right. So there are a it's lot really of hard to know. machinations left to happen Loads before. to go, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. So we go to China then, and a Human Rights Watch uh, is accusing Beijing of closing and indeed destroying mosques. Tell us about this. Yeah, so this is um, what Human Rights Watch are really good at, and their reports are really good at, and they're, they're very studied. They give you a lot of statistics, but they also give you the human stories mm-hmm. underneath them as well, lots of anecdotes. So, uh, again, we've been looking at this over the years, uh, particularly in Xinjiang, which is in the north uh, west of the country, where, of course, you've got a huge Uyghur population, Muslim population up there. But it might surprise some people to know that there are overall about 20 million Muslims living in China. Okay, okay. and they are not uh, particularly well looked after. Yeah. And now hum- Human Rights Watch are saying that their, uh, the crackdown on their religious rights is part of a systemic effort to curb practices of Islam in China, right? And they mm-hmm. give some various different examples. They they look at um, uh, an area called N- uh, Ningxia, which is in the centre of the country. It only has a population of about uh, 8 million. But it says that in that particular province, they have closed something like 1,300 mosques since 2020. So they've either closed okay. them or they've converted them. Uh, in one village alone, we know that three out of six mosques, mosques have been stripped of their domes and their, their minarets. Uh, and in some cases, what they're doing is they're converting them into places where people can meet to, shall we say, be re-educated or to discuss the cultural value of the Chinese Communist Party. Um, okay. So they're not being encouraged to practice mm. Islam yeah. uh, in these in these um, in the in their mosques, and as a result, people are fearful of practicing Islam, and so therefore the numbers are going down. Okay. And of course, the Chinese government are able to say, "Well, well you're not using that mosque, so let's close it down because it's going to save you guys." money in the end and you won't have to you know keep financing your religion so, yeah um, and is this an anti-islamic thing or an anti-religious thing generally that's a great question right uh, very good question because on the surface okay and most of the coverage is uh, is focusing on on islam okay yeah. and we we know that there has been an awful lot done over the last few years but there has also been crackdowns on various different protestant religions yeah. and of course there's been a spat with the catholic church uh, you know, they don't like the fact that very similar to uh, certain organizations not too far from this part of, or not far from this particular part of the world, they don't like the fact that a foreign pope uh, rules this organization yeah. from abroad, right? Mm-hmm. So they're, they're not particularly happy about that in, in China either. So there's a spat in that direction. So to answer your question, it's not just Islam. There are other religions mm-hmm. that are suffering under this crackdown as well. Yeah, okay. And I mean, have you been to China? No, I've never been okay. to China. No, I'm just wondering, you know, how non-religious it actually is. I remember hearing about it in school that, you know, yeah. no mention of God in the Constitution. And it was, I was there briefly for a day, but I, I, on the way from Hong Kong, but I got no sense of it. But uh, anyway, if you have been to China, do let us know how n- unreligious or non-religious it is. We do have a text in saying the Dutch are actually very conservative. Uh, they're liberal because they have certain, you know, liberal attitudes to things like drugs and, and stuff like that famously. But when it actually comes to politics, they're actually quite conservative. Do you think that's the case? Don't know. I mean, I know that in Amsterdam they're reversing an awful lot of those liberal practices. I mean, mm. they're trying to get rid of the, or at least tone down the red light district from, mm. what, I, from what I understand. Yeah. And um, I know that they're trying to get rid of the drug laws as far as I know, okay. or, or at least uh, make it a lot more difficult yeah. for, for people to go over there and smoke their brains off. Yeah, um, So uh, I, I would imagine it's like any part of the world where in the, you know, the rural 
parts of the country, yeah. not that there's that much space in the Netherlands, <laughs> no, but indeed, in, in, yeah, in yeah. the countryside, they might be less conservative, or sorry, more conservative in the cities, probably more liberal. Yeah, now a horrific situation, an event in Congo. T- tell us about this uh, military recruitment event where there was a stampede. Yeah, story that that didn't get much coverage. I mean, no. You'd imagine that had it happened in Europe, it would have been all over the place. But uh, this was a late night t- stampede that happened at a stadium in the Republic of Congo. Happened in the capital there, uh, Brazzaville, and it was during a recruitment uh, a recruitment drive that was being done by the Congolese Armed Forces Command. Um, who were trying to get young people to come and join the army. Now, because there's such a high rate of youth unemployment in the country, the World Bank states it's about 42%. Okay. You can imagine that people between sort of 18, 25, 26 or whatever uh, are trying to get work. And mm-hmm. so one of the places that they can get work is by joining the army. Yeah, All right. So yeah. this was very much oversubscribed. So we reckon that about 700 people a day registered uh, though there was only a total of 1,500 spots available. And on the last day, it appears that people began to panic because they heard rumours that the um, registration was going to close. People were forced through and a stampede uh, stampede happened and uh, 31 people have died. Dear, oh dear. And was going on all day. It was going on all day, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me this, something very different. Uh, in the US, a family is suing a sheriff's office over a catfishing tragedy. A very strange case. Yeah, this is it relates to a man by the name of Austin Lee Edwards. He was 28 years of age and he was a member of Washington County Sheriff's uh, Department, right? So he was a deputy with the Washington mm-hmm. Washington County Sheriff. Now, I should uh, underline that Washington County is in Virginia. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That um, was one of those things in, in school where you were always yeah, oh, very confusing, a, a smart it? guy if you knew that. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So he had this job anyway, and it seems that he used his position um, to uh, carry out something that was 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 really quite grim. Um, so he, I don't, I'm not sure the timeline, but it seems that either before or he joined this particular sheriff's department, he got in touch with a 15 year old girl online. Right, he pretended to be 17 year old boy, classic case of fish, catfishing. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, he asked her to send nude pictures. She stopped communication with him. He got annoyed because she stopped, and he decided that he would use his power, okay, abuse his power. He travelled from Virginia to her home in California, turned up at her house, presented his badge and his gun to uh, the grandparents who were looking after the child, went into the house, killed the child's mother, killed the grandparents, kidnapped the 15-year-old, set fire to the house, went away. Now, somehow the police caught up with him um, and he managed, uh, and they managed to free this 15-year-old girl, right? So okay. she was saved. Yeah. Um, he then went on to uh, commit suicide. That's Austin Lee Edwards, mm-hmm. the perpetrator of the crime. And now the family, what's left of them, are going after Washington County Sheriff's Department, basically saying that they shouldn't have hired this guy. Yeah. They only hired him nine days before this event occurred. And it appears that the person who did the background check on him was looking at the wrong database and didn't see that there was a court order from tw- dating from 2016 which prohibited him from buying, possessing and transporting a firearm. Good heavens. And this man was a sheriff. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was a deputy in the sheriff's department, sorry. Good Lord, good Lord. And I presume there's a massive investigation now underway. 
to see. Yeah, there, there was an. So this happened back in November 2022. So okay. this, the story more, the more up to date story, yeah. if you like, is about the fact that the family are bringing the case. So investigation has been launched, and and, and they've already found out um, that this the background the guy who was doing the background check had checked the wrong database. Okay. Now okay. they haven't made any comment on yeah. it as such, and and they're not. Uh, you know they're they're not um, claiming liability for it as okay. such yet. Uh, we'll just have to wait for the courts and see what they decide. Yeah, well, watch this space now. Something very different and obviously a lot lighter. Uh, we go to Canada and Fruit Loops. Yeah, they're facing a boycott. Um, I don't know. Did <laughs> About you, time. Yeah, well, I don't even know what they are. <laughs> Fruit Loops. Uh, yeah, they're like a cereal. Yeah, yeah, yeah from Kellogg's, obviously. And and, and they're very. I meant, sorry, I've never eaten them. But I, I've never yeah. had them either. Yeah, yeah that's that's a, that's a good point. Uh, they've never appealed to me. Too colourful to be <laughs> yeah, honest. Yeah, I with know. You. Yeah, and and they are very rainbow esque uh, yeah. in their in their marketing side of things. Do you remember there was um, a story? Uh, I think it was earlier this year uh, regarding a transgender TikTok star called Dylan Mulvaney. Yes, the, and. Bud Light yeah, yeah, kind of yeah, got into yeah, bed yeah, with him yeah. and people started call, calling for a boycott on Bud Light. So now what's happening is because Fruit Loops have decided that they are giving purchasers the opportunity to access online books about racial and cultural inclusivity and kindness and acceptance, some people aren't happy about that. Okay. So they're calling for Fruit Loops and Kellogg's to get the uh, Bud Light treatment. <laughs> It's quite ridiculous. So uh, one Twitter account called End, End Wokeness, which has, would you believe, 1.9 million followers, has warned its followers that Fruit Loops is now encouraging kids to go online and, re- and read sorry, their free library of woke propaganda. <laughs> and obviously they're against that. Yeah, I wonder what people are doing with their time. You really would. You really would. Uh, that's the most I've thought about Fruit Loops in a <laughs> while. Uh, Jonathan de Buckler. Sorry, Jonathan de Burker Butler. My apologies. It's a long-winded treble barrel name. name. No, no, it's OK. It. Be proud of it. Uh, joined me for Around the World, as he does every Tuesday at this time. Jonathan, thanks a million for coming into thanks, the studio. Moncrief. Weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.